Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Wrapping up a uh, crazy week around these uh, parts. Lots happening, lots going on, and uh, many things to talk about. Another uh, exciting, exciting uh, time down at the Big Rock where uh, a lot of boats seem to be hooking up today. And uh, this is the penultimate day of the event. I think tomorrow, uh, the forecast, at least of a couple days ago, was looking like it was going to be one of the least advantageous days. So, that's why we've seen a lot of the boats out the last couple of days and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fish hooked, a lot of hooking up uh, out there with the uh, boats and fish, if you will. Uh, ben Byram producing today's uh, show, and uh, Ben is uh, getting Bethany Bradshaw. We're going to check in with her in just a uh, moment here. Uh, also on the show today, we're going to have uh, Phil Steele with us uh, here. It's that time of year again. Phil's got his uh, magazine uh, out and uh, it is uh, available for pre-order now you can go to his website philsteel.com they're going to distribute it through barnes and noble and books a million this year those are kind of the exclusive uh, newsstands for the phil steel magazine and uh, phil was telling us that uh, this could be available by as uh, early as uh, next Friday on newsstands, because they've got a whole new printer this year. They've really gotten efficient during this time. Uh, ben Byram, let me say hello to you there. Hey, Ben, how are you? Hey, Ben. All right. Uh, we got Bethany Bradshaw with us here. Uh, ben, I'm not hearing Bethany or you in my ear if I'm supposed to be now. Is uh, Bethany there with us? We got Bethany. Could she hear me? All right. I can hear you. Okay, very good. I, I, I wasn't hearing Ben. But I hear you, Bethany, if you've never sounded better. How are you? I'm doing great, Patrick. How are you? I'm well. What a week at uh, yeah. at the beach and what a week at the Big Rock. Uh, we're going to get you to give us the very latest, but uh, we've posted a few of your articles. Uh, BigRockBook.com is probably the best way to go and uh, read Bethany's weekly uh, or daily articles uh, on this. She's covered the Big Rock all week. I know she's had some real successful be- uh, real successful. Uh, uh, um, um, book signings down there and that sort of thing. Uh, Bethany, it seems like for the second straight day, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of Marlins hooked. I don't know how many have been brought in. I think only four were brought in to be weighed yesterday, but it seemed like another active day at the Big Rock. It was a busy day, but so far no Marlins come into the scale. So that means that a lot of boats have released blue Marlins, but none of them were big enough to bring in. So I think it was about two dozen, 25, 26, something like that, Blue Marlins Ooh. released today, which is a good number. Um, of course, 
everybody down there is looking for the weigh-in. Um, as we speak, there's one boat still out there fighting. It's a boat called Widespread, based on the Outer Banks, and they're still fighting, and they're actually the boat that brought in a fish last night at 7 o'clock, so it's kind of funny. It took, they did boat a blue, and it took a really long time for them to get in. So if they're still fighting, there may be a 10 o'clock weigh-in tonight. I mean, they Ooh. may not get a big one, right. but there's still a chance. Right, right. And, you, and again, one would think if they're still fighting and have been fighting for a while at this point, that's a pretty sizable blue marlin. Uh, Bethany Branch, you're with us yeah. down at uh, Moorhead City. She's been covering the Big Rock uh, all week, and, uh, of course, it wraps up tomorrow. How are weather conditions today, Bethany? I would think uh, pretty good if that many marlins have been hooked and ultimately released. Yeah, they're perfect. I mean, in, in you know, inland, they're perfect. In Moorhead City, we're up in, and Emerald Isle, we're up in. It's been perfect. But it seems good out there, too. It's just there's so many boats out there fighting. You know, there's 260 boats fishing, or there were today. Yeah, that's a lot of boats if, and not a ton of big marlin. Um, I think a very interesting dynamic is there are only 37 boats left with a day of fishing remaining because they mm. get to pick four out of six days. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow, only 37 will be out there. So odds are better if the conditions are still good that, you know, Someone may get one, and and I heard from the president of the Big Rock Board that there's some veteran captains that decided to wait until Saturday Ah. for their last day. So it's just going to be, tomorrow could be dramatic. It's it's hard to say, but I think the small number is going to, you know, be a little different dynamic than we're used to. Uh, Bethany Bradshaw, our great friend, author of uh, several books, including one a couple of years ago on the Big Rock, a re-release of that book in a sense this year. Uh, she's also written the uh, book on George Whitfield. Uh, all that's available on her website, BethanyBradshaw.com or Amazon. Uh, I think uh, in Greenville, uh, yeah. Barnes & Noble has some of those books available too. So a uh, great Father's Day gift if you're uh, looking for something. That, that George Whitfield book for a baseball fan in your life or just anybody who loves great stories not necessarily sports stories but just great stories would love that book as a father's day gift so uh bethany uh we want to give you that plug there now i'd heard yesterday that tomorrow the thinking was that the weather was going to be the least advantageous of the days remaining has that shifted a little bit i've heard the same thing i heard something about the way the winds were going to be blowing you know i don't think it's going to be super rainy or stormy again inland the place where I hang out, because I haven't been offshore. <laughs> but those captains, right. you know, they parse every wind direction, water temperature, detail, the things that you and I don't even know where to look for. So I heard the same thing. I heard that's why a lot of them were, were going to fish out today. Um, but, you know, it could, they, someone may find a pocket. It's 100 miles fishing grounds north to south. So there's room for, for some, you know, good fishing there, I would think, for those. 37 boats. No, I got you. Uh, Bethany Bradshaw with us here as uh, we're talking uh, Big Rock Blue Marlin. Wrapping up tomorrow, it's been quite uh, a week of uh, fishing down along North Carolina's Crystal Coast, and we appreciate Bethany uh, kind of wrapping up the week with us here talking about that. Let me ask you uh, right now, the leaderboard, it did get another 500-pounder, but not enough to overtake natural. So uh, just run through the leaderboard really uh, quick for as far as the Marlins go, if you will. Sure. So natural is, um, they, they caught their marlin on Tuesday, won the fabulous fisherman's prize. Um, you know, big money there, $830,000 almost at the top. And then the 512 pound marlin that came in yesterday 
is second, and that was outnumbered, mm-hmm. which was a vote out of South Carolina. I believe mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, is outnumbered, and then the vote that came in last night, widespread, the one that's out there fighting right now, is currently in third, and their Marlin was four hundred seventy-nine pounds. Gotcha. So that's kind of your so top third three. And second got changed yesterday. I got you. So that's your top three. That's where things are right now. And, and right now, uh, if that holds, Bethany, tomorrow, Natural's in line with what they won for the fabulous fishermen to take, all told, around $2.5 million home? $2.5 That is unheard of. It's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it used to be just crazy that any boat would bring in over a million for the two prizes combined. And it's mm-hmm. just because of the large number of boats, because it's all predicated on entry fees. So when you have 270 boats that have entered, all these purses are going way up. You know, the, the biggest dolphin on the board, which right now is 48 pounds, is going to win $525,000. And nothing wrong with that. Uh, how have the crowds been, no. Bethany? They were, they were thick yesterday because there were four weigh-ins, and they were kind of back-to-back-to-back in the afternoon. So, yeah, it was, it was hard to find a place to stand or walk down there. Now, it's hard to say. It's kind of funny because everyone's milling around, Moorhead, waterfront, doing their thing. And then if a Blue Marlin gets voted, everyone gathers. So they're out there, <laughs> but they're not all in one place today. Right, right. Uh, my brother's down there uh, at Pine Knoll Shores this week uh, on vacation. I, I had not realized earlier in the week that he uh, and his family were going to be uh, down at a place at Pine Knoll Shores this week. But they took uh, their boat in the intercoastal uh, down there. And so he got some really cool photos of Michael Jordan just kind of hanging out uh, in, in a dock one day on uh, the Catch-23. What, what's the status of Catch-23 and Michael Jordan? Regardless of, of who wins this thing, uh, the Big Rock organizers would love to just have that picture of a Marlin being weighed and MJ right there with it. They would love that. Unfortunately, it's been really quiet for Catch-23. They're fished out as of today. Um, they stayed in yesterday, but they went out today, didn't have any action out there. The only thing we've seen from, from Catch-23 is they weighed a marlin on, I mean, they weighed a marlin, they weighed a dolphin on mm-hmm. the first day. It was 25 pounds, so that was big enough to come in and weigh, but not big enough to win any money. Yeah. Uh, so pretty quiet, but hopefully that'll you know, be enough to get him back for another swing at it next year. Well, that's the hope, that the, that the, the experience has been such that uh, – uh, Jordan would be back because uh, that's that's a big draw, and people certainly love to uh, see him. Great stuff from Bethany Bradshaw. Uh, Bethany, uh, where can everybody go to get uh, your books, and where can they go to get the articles uh, that you are going to write at the end of the day and the end of the tournament, ultimately? Sure. So every day I'm posting an update, and that's on bigrockbook.com. And when you go to that website, you'll see a place right there on the homepage to read the updates. And also, if you're interested in the book, all our retailers are listed there. You can also order a book there or on Amazon. Yeah, that Big Rock book is, uh, if you're somebody who has coastal interests or, you know, folks like to have kind of beach-related or coastal-related books uh, at their home that they can uh, uh, page through uh, or have guests if they have in their home, guests in their home page through, that that's a must-have in my opinion there. It's a, a fantastic book. So we love uh, that. Uh, great stuff there from Bethany. And uh, don't forget her brand-new book about George Whitfield uh, is out as well. And uh, that is something else that you can get uh, really wherever books are sold. Uh, don't forget Barnes & Noble here in Greenville is a place where you could pick up uh, those books, make a great Father's Day gift. Any of Bethany's books uh, would. Hey, thanks for your help this week, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you a little later in the summer and uh, just talk some other stuff yeah. going on uh, around Pirate Nation Sounds and great. beyond. 
All right, Bethany. Well, thank it's you. Been Appreciate fun. it. I hope tomorrow there'll be a lot more drama. We'll see. But thank yeah, you. Yeah, so we much will for see. Hey, and look again. If you're just joining us, there's still a there's still a boat out there fighting a marlin, so we could have some drama uh, later on this evening. That would be kind of fun. So we'll see. Uh, that, yeah, that and if you can right... go to the Big Rock uh, Facebook page and watch it live, if there is a weigh in tonight, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, uh, our own or Henry drive Hinton. Down. Yeah, the, well, yeah, drive down the Big Hen is uh, doing the uh, Big Rock TV this afternoon. He and Curtis Strange and uh, the other gentleman, Bobby uh, Merritt, I believe it is, who's involved in that. So uh, that whole crew's done a fabulous job. And then I, I personally like the Randy Ramsey Radio uh, as a uh, fellow oh, Kinstonian. I I, I, that Ramsey, Randy Ramsey Radio uh, live feed is, is, is hysterical, uh, both intentionally and unintentionally yeah. in a lot of ways. Hey, Bethany, thanks a lot. <laughs> Do appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great night. All right, you too. The great Bethany Bradshaw there. Uh, College World Series gets underway this weekend. They've uh, released the TV times. NC State and Stanford uh, will be playing at 2 o'clock. Uh, tomorrow, Arizona and Vanderbilt, who eliminated ECU in the Supers last week at 7 tomorrow night. Both those games on ESPN. And then Sunday on the Deuce, uh, 2 o'clock, Virginia and Tennessee, Mississippi State, Texas at 7 o'clock. All right, uh, a timeout. We'll come back, and uh, the one and only Phil Steele will be joining us. We're going to talk pirate uh, football and college football with him. His preseason preview is uh, out, available for order online. We'll tell you all about it next. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. We want more. Like, you really like it. You want more. On your flagship home of pirate baseball, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Good times, good times. There's going to be good times, good times. I know there's going to be good Nothing says football than when I see the tweets from Phil Steele that say his magazine is being sent out. Uh, it's great to have uh, Phil Steele, great friend of the program for many, many years, uh, on with us. Here's we welcome him in on this, uh, hell, we'll call it a football Friday. Why not here in uh, June? Uh, Phil, how are you? You know, I am doing great, Patrick. Uh, we had a tremendous turnaround on the magazine this year. I just sent the last page of the press on Tuesday. Normally, I take like two weeks off and don't do any radio shows. You're the third radio show I'm doing uh, since the magazine went to the press. I don't even have a magazine in my hands, and I'm doing a radio show <laughs> with you. And uh, but they are they are shipping them out from the printer, which is a big advantage over last year. Uh, so we had anticipated starting to ship the magazine to the pre-orders on June 23rd. They started shipping yesterday, so it's uh, just very good. And and then Barnes and Noble and Books a Million should have them on sale, and they'll be exclusive retailers this year. They should have them on sale by Friday, June 25th. Wow, that's amazing stuff. Uh, it, it, hey, we got Father's Day this weekend. And while dear old dad may not have that hard copy in his hand Sunday, if you go ahead and order this evening or tomorrow, uh, you will at least be able to say, hey, Pops, I got you the Phil Steele magazine. It'll be here in a matter of days. Uh, it's the book the experts cannot do without. Phil Steele's College Football 2021 Preview Magazine. Over 350 pages jam-packed with action. It's been the most accurate magazine predicting what's going to happen over the last 23 years. You want to get your copy. I can't wait to get uh, mine here uh, in uh, in just a little bit. Uh, Phil, let's uh, let's start with just the most obvious thing. There will be football in 2021. Oh, and just huge, Patrick. You know, last year I talked to about 100 
uh, head coaches out of the 130. And it's the first year head coaches, the conversation went like, well, you didn't have spring practice. Uh, I don't really know the players, Phil. And, you know, a first year head coach last year was really struggling. And then when I was putting the magazine out, I wondered if we were going to have a football season. Do I put a magazine out? Is it worth it? Because it looks, you know, will they cancel the football season? And then once we put the magazine out, about a week later, they started changing the damn schedules on me. And so what we had to do is print off the latest schedules on the website, and people were pasting them in there. I've got a, a one that's got all the pasted-up schedules in it. It's about three inches thick. I mean, it was uh, ridiculous things we went through last year. Yes, we are playing football. No, the schedules will not change, and thank God we're back to normalcy. And this year, by the way, Patrick, I talked to uh, 110 or more of the head coaches. So it was the biggest year yet. And it was so refreshing to hear them talk about spring practice and knowing their players inside and out. So it was really a, a, a great off season for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, PhilSteel.com is where you could go. Phil, will tell us a little bit about uh, some of the perks of that website. There's some subscription things you could do there. There's also uh, the Twitter follow, at PhilSteel042 on uh, Twitter. You could follow uh, him there. All right, Phil, I know you were uh, last year bullish – on ECU, from the standpoint, you felt like Mike Houston could have a year three breakout. Now, the schedule is is really tough. Uh, there was one of the uh, uh, one of the publications online yesterday coming out with a prediction for the American, and even though they have ECU uh, much improved, uh, they still have them maybe in kind of the lower half of of the American Athletic Conference, which is a real bull this year. Uh, so, let's just get your thoughts on the Pirates uh, overall. Uh, heading into uh, the uh, next couple of months before the uh, opener against App State before Labor Day? Well, you know, you go to year one, and uh, with East Carolina, they they won. They went to four and eight, but let's face it, a lot of the foes they were beating that year were uh, very weak. And then last year, they had some unusual circumstances. You go to that Navy game, East Carolina had, what, about the 20 guys out for the game when they take on Navy, and uh, close game they lost. You go to the Tulsa game. Tulsa is a team that appeared in the American uh, Championship game, and East Carolina basically beat them. I mean, there was three ridiculous calls on the final drive of the game, which uh, took the win away from East Carolina and gave it to Tulsa, or else they would have had a four and potentially even five win season last year. Now this year they've got ten starters back on offense. Uh, last year they had this good set of running backs coming in, and by the end of the year it was two new guys. It was uh, Harris and Mitchell running the football. They look great as freshmen. They're both back this year. They've got Tyler Sneed back at the receiver spot. Ehlers, I think, is going to have an improved year. Maybe reading a little too much of the press clippings last year, I don't think he had as good a year as many expected. I do think he'll be improved. And defensively, I think they finally have a little bit of size up front on the defense. I remember when Coach Houston took over, he likes bigger defense alignment, and he didn't have any on the roster. And you look at East Carolina his first two years, they've given up 5.1, 5.2 yards per carry. Once that starts getting reversed, they'll be in good shape. Now, you mentioned the schedule's tough. Open up with App State to open up. South Carolina, Marshall in the first three games. That is difficult. But this is an East Carolina team that's going to show a lot of improvement, both offensively and defensively. They move up to number 25 on my experience chart. And usually it's the third year when head coaches hit their stride. So I give them a good shot at getting a bowl eligible this year. Okay. So you think ECU is a bowl eligible team? I'm sort of in that thought, Phil, that it's uh, if they get there, it, it could be that uh... – 
five, six, seven win kind of season. And they might be at that five win threshold needing the last game. They might be, I mean, in other words, that, that's kind of how I, I see it in that range if the Pirates are going bowling this year. What say you on that? Yeah, I've got them at a, a I probably have them favored in five games this year. They're going to have to pull an upset to get to six. And yeah. uh, I think they're capable of it. And, you know, like, once again, go back to that Tulsa game last year. Uh, you know, it's a game where they were a large underdog, not expected to win. And really outplayed Tulsa. If there wasn't the the fumble things on the last couple on the last drive there, <laughs> yeah. they would have won that uh, particular game. And uh, I think that. Uh, so no, I don't have EC as a definite bowl team this year, but I think they they do get that one upset. You know, that's the thing. Uh, you got more experience. I think the team we're going to see. I mean, Mike Houston's a winner. We know that coming in. Uh, he's built this program kind of from the ground up, taking over a, a really. Uh, just really porous situation in a lot of ways. And he's got so much returning on both sides of the ball. Uh, how quickly that learning curve is, if this team's learned to win or does learn to win quickly, <clears throat> or, excuse me, or gets some, a, a break or two, you know, during the course of the season. That also is a big thing. We've seen teams go on runs uh, that have talent, uh, because they catch a break with the opponents one way or the other. So that, that all could factor in. I know you you mentioned, as we're talking to the great Phil Steele, the new uh, 2021 College Football Preview Magazine is available for pre-order now. You can have it within a matter of days, philsteele.com. Uh, follow Phil on Twitter, at philsteele042. Uh, you, you talked to all the coaches. I'm, I'm sure you spent some time. In fact, I think I remember the tweet you talked about. You'd, you'd spoke with Mike Houston. What were Coach Houston's impressions of everything coming into the uh, – out of spring and into the off season. Uh, yeah, naturally he is bullish, very bullish on this squad this year. Uh, he says that they are much faster, more athletic than when he first got here, and and that's obvious. I mean, what he stepped into and what he's got right now is a much better team. And as I mentioned, you know, that first year talking to him, he wanted better size on the defensive front. I still don't think he's got Mike Houston size on the defensive front. You know, a bunch of three hundred pounders up there. But I do. I have seen that improvement. The linebacking core looks solid, and so he, he definitely thinks they're ready to play with anybody. And you know, you look at last year how they played. Going back to the Tulsa game, uh, you know, they they played with a team that was in the uh, American uh, game. Now, I will say this: if you're an East Carolina fan, you look at the fact they've got ten returning starters on offense, ten on defense. You're going to get pretty excited, but. That's pretty much the story across college football. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got 17 or 18 returning starters. In fact, every coach I talked to said, this was a great spring. We went three deep. We've never had that before. And, boy, I heard that over and over and over. In fact, uh, I'll tell you, Patrick, I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee, and Aaron Taylor contacted me, and he said, well, we want to do our preseason list. So give me all the teams that have three returning starters on the offensive line. I go, Aaron, that's 125 teams. He goes, okay, let's cut it to four returning stars <laughs> on the offensive line. I'm like, all right, now we're down to 115 teams, Aaron. Uh, just, uh, we'll come up with the list, all right? So there are a lot of experienced teams out there this year. But third-year head coaches and teams that were inexperienced last year I think have the best advantage. Remember, East Carolina only had four returning starters on D last year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we're talking to Phil Steele. I'm going to get into the uh, the first three opponents with you here, uh, in particular uh, hot and heavy in, in just a moment, but uh, I do want to kind of get your thoughts on the American. Uh, certainly Cincinnati looks to be the class with Des Ritter back at quarterback. They've got a brand-new running back, but they, uh, they just kind of reloading up there under Luke Fickle. How do you see the year ahead for uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats? You know, I think Cincinnati opens the year in the AP Top 10, and 
you look at their two road games that they've got early, Indiana and Notre Dame, uh, I don't think either of those is unwinnable for Cincinnati. They're taking on a rather young Notre Dame team, one that's number 128 on my experience chart coming in. And uh, I think Cincinnati's capable of those. And if they can steal those, who knows where the, the ceiling is for the Cincinnati team. I love the way Luke Fickle's, Fickle's building this team. You talked about the running backs. He feels that Jerome Ford's actually going to be a step up over last year's running back. Yeah. And the receiving core looks dynamic. The defense is uh, top-notch. You, you look at, you're looking at NFL players on that defensive front. In fact, I'd rate them the number 10 D-line, the number 17 set of linebackers. So I'm very bullish on the Bearcats this year. Uh, let's run through the rest of the American, Phil. How do you kind of see uh, the uh, AAC shaking out this year? Obviously, you feel really good about uh, Cincinnati and a, and a team that maybe is going to be uh, vying for a possibility of sneaking into to a playoff if things really fall their way. Certainly a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, ECU, you feel like, has a chance to go bowling. Of course, those two will play at some point this season, but let's talk about some of the other clubs in the American and, and who you really like. Yeah, and I think Gus Malzahn steps into a pretty good situation at UCF. He's bringing over some Auburn transfers like Big Camp Bryant. He's inheriting a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel. And it's a UCF team that lost four games last year. I mean, it's a a, a program that had lost four games uh, in four years. And they had lost four games combined the previous three years. So they're going to show improvement. I think they're a threat. They've got the talent. Remember at the end of the year last year, uh, that last game of the season for UCF, they gave up like 600 yards to USF, but they had almost everybody had opted out already. They were down to like two players. Right. They sure they got nine starters back, so they'll be in much better shape. And then how about Houston? I think Dana Holgerson's first two years have been extremely unique. You go to his first year, and he has everybody redshirt after three games, including D.R. King. Then you go into last year, he's got a team that he feels pretty good about, and then all of a sudden there's opt-outs, and then they had their first, what, five games postponed, right, so they're yeah. not starting play until the middle of the year, and they only went three and five. But I think when you look at this year's Houston team, they've got the talent to finally live up to their talent level, and I think they will, and I, I think they're one of those dark horses. And then how about SMU? SMU's a team with Sonny Dykes at, at, uh, as a head coach, brings in a lot of transfers back to Dallas, He's got that going on again this year. He's got Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone, a couple of VHTs, and that's a very highly touted player, one of the top recruits in the country, battling for that quarterback job. He's got Bentley, a running back. I think if you're looking for a year for SMU to rise up there, this could be it. And they're a little bit under the radar from what I've seen uh, out there as far as some of the preseason predictions. So keep your eyes on SMU. But overall, the American Conference is clearly – the best of the group of five conferences again this year, like they have been the last two years. Also, uh, the Ponies bring uh, Jim Levitt in to uh, call the defense, so that's a that's a huge upgrade. I mean, he's one of the uh, guy with head coaching experience, uh, but also has been a really solid uh, defensive coordinator. Hey, we got Phil Steele with us uh, here. Hey, Phil, we're going to grab a break if that's okay. Come back and talk a little more about uh, the Pirates' first three opponents and some college football thoughts overall from you. Uh, could you hang with us through the break here? You got it, Patrick. Anything for you, buddy. That's Phil Steele. Uh, right now, Ben Byram with a look at what is going on, U.S. Open, and uh, everything else happening. Big Rock the whole nine with our uh, 2020 sports update. 
Thanks, Patrick. We start from the Big Rock Tournament. Natural still a leader with a 521-pounder, still followed by following C's with a 512. And a new face in the top three is widespread sits in third with a 479-pounder. From the U.S. Open, Richard Bland, the sole leader, finishing 400 days, 500 in the event overall, followed by a three-way tie for second with Brooks Kepka involved, who's 400 through four. From the NBA, the all-rookie team was announced and unanimously voted as first-team members was Hornets guard LaMelo Ball and Timberwolves Anthony Edwards. One player at vote shy of unanimous selection was the Kings' Tyrese Halliburton. The Boston Celtics trade point guard Kimball Walker to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and 2023 second-round pick. Celtics also sent the 16th overall pick in the upcoming draft and a 2025 second-round selection along with Kimba. For Major League Baseball two-way sensation Shohei Otani has become the first player to commit to the Home Run Derby. He currently ranks third in the league in homers with 19. And from the NHL, fresh off a three-year extension, Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rod Brendamore was awarded the NHL's Jack Adams Award, given annually, annually to the Coach of the Year. That's going to do it for your 94th of the Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Bomb. We return more Phil Steele after this quick timeout. Videos, articles, and what's going on in the Pirate Nation. I thought that's what Facebook updates were for. Like and comment on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page right now. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Bill Steele's College Football Preview Magazine. It is available now for you to pre-order. It's just going to be a matter of days before you get it. Go to philsteel.com. While you're there, they've got this thing called Phil Steele Plus. You could uh, subscribe to just an FCS option or uh, all kinds of football uh, option. It's well worth every penny you would spend because uh, it is uh, everything you need to know during the course of uh, not only the preseason but also the season on uh, everything football. And uh, always follow Phil on Twitter, a great follow at PhilSteele042. Our good friend Phil Steele joins us uh, here on this uh, Friday. Uh, football Friday is uh, we're going to call it here talking uh, the uh, college football season. Phil uh, feels pretty good about the Pirates. I think Phil's thoughts are in line with where a lot of ours are. Uh, Pirates are going to maybe contend for a bowl opportunity this year. They'll have to spring an upset possibly, but if they stay healthy, this is an ECU team that can be impressive under Mike Houston in his third year as we uh, bring Phil Steele back in. We mentioned opening against Appalachian State and Charlotte. That's going to be an exciting uh, game, I think, uh, Phil. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the Mountaineers. Well, it's interesting because they lose their longtime quarterback, Zach Thomas, but they bring in Chase Bryce, and Bryce just – wasn't comfortable in the Duke system last year. I think he'd be more comfortable in this system. You're not going to see the interceptions that he had at Duke last year. And when you've got the surrounding talent like he has, Cam Peoples at running back, the receiving core with Malik Williams, Corey Sutton, a big offensive line, and a very nasty defense. I think App State's going to have one of the better defenses in the country this year. It's an App State team that uh, lost three games last year, much like UCF. That's a lot of losses for them right, in one season. Right. I see. I see it as a. I see it as a bounce back year for them, and uh, they're actually uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I, I think they can even get past Coastal. They get Coastal at home this year. There's a very good possibility they're back in the Sun Belt Championship game. 
Would you say, Phil, that if Cincinnati is to stumble, uh, maybe uh, loses one of those two road games, kind of, kind of falls out of that national favor and app beats Coastal? I mean, is that a team that, that if you're out of the American or, or a, uh, a fan of uh, Cincinnati, is that the team you kind of worry about maybe leaping you for a New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, App could do it. And keep your eyes on Louisiana as well. Another yeah. team from the Sun Belt. And the Sun Belt had a hell of a season last year. Uh, they they play Texas in the opener. And if they get past Texas, they'll probably be favored in all the rest of their games. And you remember, Texas got a new head coach. You never know what's going to happen. And, and they beat Iowa State, which finished number nine in the country last year, on the road. So I'd give them a possibility as well. But that that is a threat. And I think when you're looking at the group of fives, you know, maybe a Boise uh, coming out of the Mountain yeah, West could true. be a possible threat. And then the other one would be uh, UAB. But UAB, I think, has got um, uh, Georgia on the road, yeah. which affects their chances. Uh, speaking of new coaches, Phil, uh, one of the Pirates' uh, opponents, in fact, the home opener, uh, will be against uh, South Carolina. And Shane Beamer, who has uh, been at the mix in the mix a couple of times at ECU, uh, during coaching searches, we hear his name a lot. Well, he finally gets a chance to be the guy that's uh, the CEO of the program. Uh, what kind of situation is he coming into in Columbia? Uh, actually, a, a better-than-expected situation. I think everybody's thinking South Carolina's in for a long-term rebuilding, but Will Muschamp didn't leave the cupboard bare here. He's got 14 returning starters to work with, and there is good talent. You look at that running back room. Holy cow. Kevin Harris, the 1,000-yard rusher from last year, Marshawn Lloyd was my number eight rated running back out of high school. He was, uh, and last year he was out for the year, a torn ACL. He was going to be the starter. And then Zaquandre Wright, my number 21 rated running back out of high school. They've got three BHTRBs, very deep room there. The offensive line looks solid. In fact, Coach Beamer feels four of those guys are NFL caliber. And then defensively, they've got some talent. Uh, despite losing some players on that defensive line, there's a lot of talent coming up front. He was not displeased with the talent that he's inheriting at South Carolina this year. And that's why I think everybody's pretty much picking them right at the bottom of the East. But uh, South Carolina's going to surprise some folks this year. So not not an easy opponent whatsoever for East Carolina. Pirates take on Marshall on the road for their first true road game of uh, the 2021 season. Uh, with Doc Holliday, I think it was just a case familiarity bred contempt. They've got a new head coach as well. They've also had a lot of kids uh, here in the last few weeks, kind of enter that transfer portal. What are we looking at from the Thundering Herd this year? Yeah, and I think that's been my biggest concern with them. Is uh, And the good thing about going to the press, uh, Patrick, on June 15th, you take a, a player like uh, you take a, a player like McCaffrey, yeah. who mm -hmm. transferred to Rice, we've got that in the magazine. Wow. So, you know, ever, nobody else, everybody's got him playing for Louisville this year. We've got him on Rice. And one of the things that affected my forecast for Marshall this year was those defections that they had, like their outstanding center, uh, Cam Matten, that uh, bolted for Notre Dame. Uh, once he left the picture, the offensive line got a little bit weaker. I wasn't impressed with the way Grant Wells finished the season, but I was impressed with Coach Huff taking over and talking to him, going over the team. I think he is stepping into a decent situation with good talent. I mean, they were the, among there was them and UAB were the two most talented teams in CUSA last year. Uh, but the the losses that they lost to the transfer portal could affect them a little. And I think East Carolina's got a shot at that one, even though it's on the road. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Phil Steele's with us here. I want to get into, obviously, who you think will be in the uh, championship picture and then the playoff, maybe the New Year's Six Bowl. But obviously, we're uh, a week or so uh, away from that uh, press conference, conference call, where it looks like that the college football committee 
is going to, in a couple of seasons, expand the uh, postseason and uh, create a 12-team tournament. Just want to get your thoughts on this because, I mean, look, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Phil Steele, philsteele.com, there's nobody better in the business when it comes to to talking football. He's the very best. So, I mean, we value his opinion and, and friendship here uh, on our uh, group of stations in Greenville. So uh, I want to get your opinion on uh, on that and, and how you think that uh, – how that will, uh, you know, maybe make things – potentially a little more equitable for certain schools uh, down the road? Well, I've always been a four-team playoff guy, Patrick. Uh, for about 10 years, I wrote an article in the magazine calling for the four-team playoff, one against four, two against three. It finally came true. So my, the last five, six, seven years, I've been writing uh, void bracket creep, but it got became so obvious to me they're going 12 teams. There's no sense even fighting it anymore. So uh, this year, I... I had the two pages written, avoid bracket creep, but going to the press late, uh, we were able to just say, you know what, scrap the two pages, I'm going to one, which basically waves the white flag, says we're going to a 12-team playoff. And if that's the case, you know what, you know, there will be some teams that get in, naturally, they haven't been there. Uh, so I think that's, you know, we'll see what the heck happens. I'm not a, a huge fan of it, but I'm not going to fight it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, who knows? We've had the same four or five teams up there for the last couple right. of years, and I think that was probably the main thing that uh, did in the four-team playoff. Are you interested uh, in what Notre Dame, what may happen with them down the road? I know they crave that autonomy and independence, but I think the ACC would more than roll over for them and let them have their own TV deal because that only benefits – uh, in some ways, the ACC, uh, but Notre Dame and really none of the other independents. I mean, BYU is a name that probably should get uh, included in that because uh, BYU, before that coastal game, may have found themselves very much in uh, the conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl last season. Uh, but as you look at uh, the independents not being able to get a top four seed at a bye in this proposed playoff, uh, does that take us away from, at least for possibly Notre Dame, Maybe even BYU, their independent status may go away. Uh, the potential's there. I know BYU would jump and join a Power Five league if somebody offered them. Oh, uh, sure. With Notre Dame, they they of course have held out uh, of it, but uh, I, I don't know if anything's going to push Notre Dame out of the independent status. They're pretty proud of that and pretty pleased with that. And uh, but maybe maybe we'd see the committee bend and say, well, if Notre Dame's available. We'll go ahead and give them a buy. I'm, I'm not sure how that's all going to shake out, and it is something that they're even talking about right now. You know, Phil, I, I think last year playing in the ACC under that unusual year, though, it kind of gave Notre Dame some stuff to play for a little bit. I mean, it, to me, it it, it 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 really made the whole season a big deal for the Irish, in my opinion. And what do you think of that? the only undefeated team in the ACC at the end of the year. So <laughs> conference standings, they, they finished number one. Yeah. And, uh, and only the, uh, you know, the, uh, the ACC championship loss kept them from winning the title. And they had to feel, hey, what, this is pretty easy. And uh, it got them to where they wanted to be. It got them into the playoff last year. So, yeah, I could see a lot of positives. I just don't know if we're going to see Notre Dame change your mind and move from being an independent. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, to me it was fun. Yeah, it really was. All right, Phil, uh, we got uh, your four that would be going to the college football playoffs. Who are they? Uh, this would be the four teams that we actually have on this year's front cover. I'm going way out on a limb here, Patrick. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually calling for uh, Alabama to make the playoff this year. Wow. How about Clemson, <laughs> Ohio State? Yeah. And then Oklahoma. Those would be the four teams I've got going to the playoff. Okay. Who uh, are five and six? 
You know, the one team that really watch, uh, jumps out at me, uh, it has a potential to get there, is Georgia. And Georgia plays Clemson. And uh, it, they yes, play they them do. week one. That's, mm-hmm. It's fun to see. First of all, you and I remember that rivalry, uh, Patrick, when it used to open up every season. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, Clemson and Georgia is a heck of a game to have back on. And then the other team to look out for, <coughs> excuse me, is Texas A&M. Uh, you know, the Aggies were my number one surprise team last year. And I know they lose four offensive linemen and Kellen Mond. But going over the team with uh, with Coach Fisher last year and this year, he told me last year that the replacements on the offensive line were going to be better this year, you know, uh, more athletic, everything. And he, he echoed that statement this spring, very pleased with the offensive line. And I, I think Haynes King steps in and does just as good a job as Kellamon did last year. They've got my number one set of running backs in the country, my number five defensive line. So they've got a lot of areas where they're dangerous. I think Georgia and Texas A&M are probably your two main threats, both out of the SEC. And keep in mind, Texas A&M gets a game against Alabama at home this year in mm. College Station. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, always great to catch up with Phil. I hope we'll get a chance to catch you a little later in the uh, summer. It's over 350 full-color pages, stats, trends, angles, returning starters, Phil's forecast, a lot more. Uh, order that hard copy now, the 2021 College Football Preview Magazine from Phil Steele. Go to philsteele.com to uh, do that. Uh, you could also uh, sign up for, uh, while you're there, Phil Steele Plus, which is uh, sort of extended data uh, and everything else that you want to know about the world of college football, F- uh, BS, FCS, NFL. Uh, that would be a, a great thing to consider as well. Follow Phil on Twitter at Phil Steele 042. It's great to catch up with you as it always is, Phil. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, and don't forget, Patrick, Friday, June 25th, this should be in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. So if you can wait that long for it, stop there or else just go to philsteele.com. But always a lot of fun talking football with you, Patrick. We'll have to do it at least once, if not twice more, before the season starts this year. Yeah, I hope we'll get a chance to, and that's a great plug there, too, uh, a week from today. Hey, Phil, thanks a lot. Always great to uh, to talk with you. Appreciate the time. Great talking football with you, Patrick. Uh, Pleasure as always, my friend. Indeed uh, it is. There he goes. Phil Steele, great to catch up with him. Uh, Ben, we covered a lot of ground there, right, with old Phil Steele. Yeah. Here's the – go ahead. I think he's a little out out of pocket when it comes to App State. I mean, Chase Bryce's quarterback, (laughs) I can't see any team winning with that guy's quarterback. (laughs) Maybe it's a better system. Maybe it's a better system and, and he won't throw it. But, I mean, he's a turnover machine. Here's what I kind of picked up on at the end. So I said, if you, you just heard this, who are the you know people that are going to be five and six potentially? They're two out of the SEC. And I know Reeney, and I love Reeney, and I know he's bullish on this playoff, expanded playoff, and people, thinks it'll, people think it'll create a, a bigger opportunity. I just I fear we're going to wind up with an SEC Big Ten challenge, invitational. Don't you? No, no, because we kind of saw last year that's not always the case. I mean, you look at five and six last year, Cincinnati was included in that mix, I believe. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's just it's one year. That's yeah. that's one year where uh, the so-called little guy would have gotten a shot not once but twice. I, I just that that's my fear. I, I and look, I to, and I'm not discounting what you're saying. I totally hear it. Yeah, but I mean, I, my question is, Ben, or is that committee going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Cincinnati's, UCF's, hopefully ECU's of the world? Um, you know, or is it, are we going to wind up 
with a situation where uh, you could have multiples. If it was because because the big boys are going to have multiples. There's no two ways about that. If it was an 18 playoff, yes, I would be a little bit concerned. But with 12, I think you can't really get away with that anymore. I mean, it yeah. was, it, at that point, it would be way too obvious. I mean, they already they were already getting called out for the 14 playoffs being the exact same every same every single year and not giving the smaller schools the benefit of the doubt and. When it when it expands to a twelve team playoff, I mean, you just can't get away with it. I don't think. Well, what do you what do you think of his four? His Going four the they make sense. Oklahoma, I don't really see it just because Oklahoma never really has a defense that really jumps out at you and really kind of impresses you. Uh, if anything, I could see a Georgia more so than an Oklahoma or maybe a Notre Dame or something like that. Yeah, Notre Dame's gonna be a little young. Um, Particularly quarterback, I will see. I mean, I, I, I know this. If Cincinnati starts the year in the top ten, I think they, especially if they can beat Notre Dame and Indiana, they're going to have a great chance. They're going to have a tremendous chance. And the game between them and UCF could really be, as it's kind of turned out to be here in recent times, sort of the one of the games of the year um, in college football. So there you go. All right, uh, we'll take a timeout. And, oh, me, I, I, one more thing, Ben. How do you? He he thinks Pirates favored in five win, spring an upset to go bowling. You like that? I, I I can see that. I think that's a reasonable call. No, no, that's fair. Um, I would have predicted that last year. Obviously, I wouldn't have been right, but yeah, yeah, five wins. That's very reasonable. It's not, it's not too optimistic. Like a lot of people like to be around here. I mean, it's 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 very realistic. Uh, especially with the non-conference schedule and the conference that we play in. I mean, five wins is very fair, and I could see it. See, he has them winning in at Marshall in that scenario, and he actually has them winning some conference games. So, yeah, I would think that five wins is pretty realistic, and then you just got to upset somebody. Uh, my opinion, in order to secure the uh, – and who knows what will happen as the year plays out, but if you if you have any aspirations of bowling – I do think you got to somehow win one of those first two games, and that's going to be that's going to be tough. But we'll see. We will see. I, I think right. they could beat App State. I'll throw that out there. I don't yeah. think App State is as tough as everybody's saying they are. Yeah, I thought that too. But boy, everybody's on that bandwagon, aren't they? They are really on that bandwagon. I don't get it. <laughs> I honestly don't understand it. But hey, they're hanging on to two years ago, three years ago, I guess. I mean, Chase Bryce. I think he just threw another interception. Yeah, he was he's terrible. Just not good. Yeah, he's just he, not very good. He, he was awful. He was awful. All right, uh, let's grab a break. Uh, we will come back, kind of let you know what's happening uh, in uh, various ongoing events and uh, get you ready for the uh, weekend as uh, we wrap up the week here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P Man here on 943 The Game. A new second and third place in the Big Rock yesterday. Uh, that third place boat, I've not seen anything different, but they were battling a uh, Marlin. And we could have a weigh-in. Who knows? They may move up. We will see. And uh, 
just three dozen boats going out tomorrow, so could be more opportunities out there. Uh, keep up with that, Big Rock TV, but also we'll do our best to keep up with it. 121st U.S. Open, second round uh, rolls on from the left coast. And uh, looks like the cut line's going to be about four, maybe five over. So there might be some people still making it. Uh, we'll follow it for you. Uh, ben, there's a boxing match this weekend. Got the monster fighting this weekend. I can't say his name. It's very Japanese, but uh, he's, he's really good. He's like the pound for, pound for pound king right now. And uh, it's on ESPN. You don't have to pay for it. So check it out. Ooh, he's a okay. savage. All right. Will you have a recap for us Monday? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, good. Hey, I uh, want to congratulate Corey Gore, uh, Corey Glore for uh, getting the announcer's job at Tulane. Corey did a really uh, fine job covering ECU baseball and uh, happy for him to get that opportunity. Ben, I know you worked uh, closely with him this year, and uh, we wish him luck. That's my guy. Off the bigger and better things. Good luck to him. All right. Uh, hey, thanks to Phil Steele today, Bethany Bradshaw as well. Kevin Williams, the new ECU golf coach, Monday will join us. What's old is new again. See you then. Yeah.